0: Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We're continuing in the book of Mark. So glad you're here. We're going to pick up at the beginning kind of Mm -hmm. where Holy Week is starting. We had the triumphal entry. And now we're in Mark chapter 14. We'll pick it up and see what happens next.
1: Yeah. Anytime a writer of the Bible lays out details, Mm -hmm. it's crucial for us to pay attention to the details that are put on the page. For instance, the timing. This um, talks about how it's a few days from this festival. It's a few days from the Passover celebration. Right. So if you go all the way back to Exodus, you know that the Passover was when uh, God allowed God's people to to sacrifice a lamb, put the blood over the door, and the spirit of the Lord passed over those who are covered by, by the blood, the lamb. Yep. by the blood of the lamb. And so here Jesus is fulfilling so many Old Testament scriptures, hmm. basically saying that he is to be the lamb. He's the one whose blood is going to be shed so that God would pass over us. Our sins are atoned for. That's what's happening here. So
0: now there's a celebration that the people of the day of Jesus' time do, called Passover, remembering what God's done and also crying out to God to to move. And so when you pick up in verse 3... Um, as they're getting ready for this, the Jesus and the 12 where the disciples have gathered, they're in Bethany, they're reclining at the table mm-hmm. and a woman comes. Yeah. And this is one of those stories that you kind of like, uh, it's so well described in the book of Mark that you feel kind of some of the tension and the awkward <laughs> things happening.
1: <laughs> you definitely do. Yeah. Maybe
0: not the height of it when you really see what's going on. Yeah. So a woman comes and this account gives us some really clear takeaways about Um, Jesus kingship about his death about his burial but Mm -hmm. this woman comes and she breaks an alabaster jar over Jesus feet yeah and I so before we get into it I actually really resonate so sometimes you read the scriptures and you know I grew up in the church I probably would would have had a pretty pharisaical mindset I'm somebody who grew up um don't i don't really know life apart from the church of the ways of jesus and those people don't get it those people don't get jesus in the gospels but this is one of the examples of a woman who who gets it and we we hear about that in the temple when jesus is warned. but this is another example of someone who is in this gospel story who gets it who understands who jesus is and she's showing reverence for what's to come
1: and that's important real quick because Mm -hmm. sometimes people want to know like me who is this woman yeah. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> this, this scene is in the Gospels. Yes. And what people think is that there could be up to two or three different instances that are very similar to this. Oh, So I didn't this know woman's that. named okay. in one other Gospel. Yes. She's not named in two other Gospels. So no one knows for sure. But the mm. point is, again, going back to details, is if it were important to know who this person was, Mark would. would have told us. Yeah. But he didn't. And so the point is, going back to what this wise lady over here was just saying is the point is reverence. The point is worship. The point is this is who God is and it's preparing him a foreshadowing of what's about to happen.
0: But not everybody likes it. Says so you keep reading um, in that little section there. You hear of one of the disciples, most likely it was Judas, yeah. because he was kind of the the guy that was over the funds mm-hmm. and kind of a stickler for the details, right? Crook. Speaks up and he's yeah. like, "Hey, we don't want to waste this. Like the the perfume, the jar is so valuable. We yeah. could be using it for something else. We don't want to waste it." And it, and we see Jesus actually come to her defense and say, "Like, actually, you don't understand, because the re- I mean, Mark says right here in in chapter or sorry verse five and they rebuked her harshly yeah so you know that was probably a public open like really strong like you are doing the wrong thing and then in verse six jesus speaks up leave her alone said jesus why are you bothering her she has done a beautiful thing to me and so you see jesus kind of comes to the defense not kind of definitely comes to the defense of this woman Hmm. helping us understand she chose better yeah. She chose better in this moment.
1: Yeah. And people argue again about how much this alabaster jar was worth. When it talks right. about 300 denarii, usually a denarii is worth a day's wage. So it could be one year's salary up to maybe more. We're not sure, but either way, she really gave God her best. And yeah. you'll never regret giving God your best. And then this is also like a breaking <laughs> point for Judas. Yeah. Where Judas is now out. He's like, This is enough, whether Jesus wasn't going to overthrow Rome or Judas wasn't impressed with Jesus' financial decisions or whatever it was. Right. He was like, I'm out. I'm going to go make some money. This and be- isn't
0: what I thought it betray was. Betrayed Jesus.
1: Be. More on Judas in just a second. Yes. we keep going. It talks about the Passover preparation. And then from verses 17 to 21, it gets at the actual betrayal. And so Jesus, you have to know this, Mm. Jesus was not tricked. He was not fooled. Jesus was not a victim of Judas's actions. Jesus knew it was going to happen. In fact, if you go to the Gospel of John, go to verse 64, Mm. it says that Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who was going to betray him. Mm. So that's at the beginning of the Gospel according to John. Right right when Judas came into the fold, Jesus knew this is how it's going to come to be. Hmm. So in Judas, you have a clear example of someone who is in the church community, sure. witnessing miracles, mm-hmm. breaking bread with other genuine believers, and yet clearly is not like born again, if you want to use that language from John, yeah, from John 3. And so the reason why I bring this up is just a couple of days ago in, in Mark 11, we were reading about the fig tree. And right. in fact, someone just stopped me at church a while back about mm-hmm. this passage, like, pastor, what's up with the fig tree? They, they felt really bad bad for it. Like, why would Jesus curse this thing? Hmm. I said, the reason why, if you go back to Mark 11, is that Jesus was walking by this fig, and it was not the season for figs, but this tree looked like it was right. bearing fruit, and when Jesus got to it, there was no figs. So the tree was appearing one way, but in reality it was something else. Right. And so Jesus cursed it, it withered away, and it died. Hmm. God is so against us putting on a show and trying to look godly, look moral, look fruitful, yeah. and not actually genuinely being connected to him, abiding in him. So the word for us is, as you look at Judas, God knew it was going to happen this entire time. Prophecies were going to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. But don't feel ever pressure to like act apart and try to make yourself look a certain way. Yeah. God wants authenticity. He wants a genuine relationship with you. And if that's laying the cards of your, your experience, mm-hmm. your circumstances, your emotions on the table— just go to God with it. Yeah. Go to God with it and trust that we're not going to be a Judas. We're going to lean in and, and seek the Lord with all our heart. Yeah. Be honest with Him and it's it's going to be good. Mm-hmm.
0: It's interesting too because we knew we we know about that because we have all the text, right? And so yeah. it's 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 good to look back like we talk about this with the Old Testament prophecies as well because it really strengthens the evidence for Jesus and who he was as a person but also his divinity because mm-hmm. these things had to happen. Like these Old Testament prophecies had to happen for Jesus to be who he said he was and to come to do what he what he did. Yeah. And so the fulfillment of what hap- what was spoken about in John Is what we see when Judas actually goes through with the betrayal. is like, okay, this had to happen because that's how it was written. Yeah. And so now Jesus, when you can really believe him, when he says that, you know, he has come to fulfill the things of the law. Like, because they really are all fulfilled in him.
1: Yeah. So you
0: keep walking.
1: Yeah. You want to jump to like the Lord's Supper communion?
0: Yeah, let's do it. So now you see, this is, so it's. So intimate what happens in the Lord's Supper, and we celebrate that now in the church when we break bread and we have Holy Communion and we, um, you know, pass the juice around and we -hmm. we all share in that together. Um, So we have a picture of it. But when you think about this night specifically, what was happening, Jesus knows right? Jesus knows that this is, we're nearing the end. Yeah. This is, this is the last meal that I'm yeah. going to have with the 12. And he still chooses the people that he does yeah. to be in there. And so one of them being Judas, even though he knows. And so that there's something about um, just the heart that Jesus has for the church. And so that's what, when we come to the table, that's, I'm so grateful to be a part of a community that really has reverence for the table when we come to it. Um, because it, it is a tangible symbol of, of who Jesus is and what he's done. And so there's language that the church uses all the time. If you go back to our Corinthians podcast, I actually started weeping when yeah, we read it. I, I remember that yeah. so sad because it's just such a, it's a special thing that it's, it's really a gift from God that we get to partake in, um, you know, when his people are gathered. And so we see that laying out here in verses, um, 22 through 26. And then we have, what is this signpost? What do you have? Well,
1: here? I was just talking about how, and if you've been at Emmanuel, you've probably heard me use this many times during communion, mm-hmm. but we talk about how one, the Holy Spirit really genuinely is at work in baptism and in communion. Yeah. Two, we talk about like this, the symbolism pointing to like the gospel realities. And so if you're driving yes. down the road and you see a yellow sign, a diamond sign, and it says like Swervy Road Ahead. The sign Mm -hmm. is pointing to your experience and the reality of your experience in just a second. Because pretty soon you're going to fade to the right, you're going to fade to the left, you're going to fade back to the right. So the sign is pointing to something that's real and really happening. So with communion, Mm -hmm. every time we partake in it, it's a sign pointing to the reality of the Christian living in the the beauty of Jesus' death and his resurrection, his body breaking, his blood pouring out. Mm -hmm. And so every time we take of that, the Spirit's nourishing our soul. And it's a, it's a gift of God, mm-hmm. and so that's just what I was getting at there. Sometimes oh, people want to know, know like, that, yeah. why do we do communion and why do we do it so often or not often mm-hmm. or whatever, and that's just what's happening. It's it's a gift of God. So then from there, Peter, stuff. yeah, Peter uh, is predicted to deny Jesus. Yeah. Um. In it within this, what's amazing is again how the Bible is integrated, and again. The gospel of Mark is laying out how Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy that comes all the way back from Zechariah. And it's just, it's all interconnected again. And then we get to the garden, the garden. Yeah. So go to the garden (laughs) of Gethsemane. They're praying and um, people are falling asleep. Jesus is going to cry out to the father. What's so amazing about this again? Especially in a day and age where we talk a lot about emotion, anxiety, depression. Yeah. Jesus goes to the Father in verse like 34. It says that Jesus is overwhelmed, overwhelmed to the point of death. So I think mm-hmm. if God himself can say, I'm overwhelmed, I'm anxious, like yeah. this is a lot for me right now. Mm-hmm. Going back to like the fruit tree, the fig tree, Judas being a fake. We can be honest with God. If yeah. Jesus is going, God, Father, I'm overwhelmed. He even says, can you take this cup from me? Is there another way? Right. And in the end, he eventually submits to the will of the Father because it was the only way. Yeah. But the point again is God, Jesus, God the Son, is talking directly to God the Father. So instead of venting to uh, our friends, which can be healthy, or tweeting stuff or posting something on Instagram about how terrible your day was, all those things can be healthy in a way, but first and foremost, know that you can go directly to God. Yeah. And if Jesus can say, I'm overwhelmed to the point of death, then you and I can too. Yeah. That's important to know.
0: That gives a permission there too. Mm-hmm. Verse 36 touches on that full submission to God. um will even when it's hard and not when we want. So it's one of those things too. I think sometimes there's messages about the gospel, how the gospel can make life easier And that's something that we've spoke on before. How just because it's your your life is infinitely better with Jesus, it really is. That actually, so much of the Bible speaks to the opposite of that. That your life actually won't be easier. That it's going to be quite difficult. And the good news of that is because Jesus accomplished what He went out to accomplish. That He's with us in all of it. One of the things that I just take away from this, if you look, take a step back at the Garden and how it plays out, um, is jesus is in deep and intentional just like wrestling prayer Mm -hmm. and his disciples continue to fall asleep in the time of prayer and so three times it says at the end of this little section and so what happens after that though is jesus walks out his plan with the father in peace he actually is able because he has wrestled in prayer he is able to walk in peace. And the disciples, what happens is they sleep when it comes to prayer. Yeah. They fall asleep when it comes to prayer. And then when they, it starts happening. There's a line
1: where it's like the, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Yes. Yeah.
0: And, and that's that that is, you watch that unfold before you. Because then Jesus says right here at the end of this section, verse 41, returning for the third time. So after they had fallen asleep, are you still sleeping and resting enough? The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of the sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So it's, it's, it's happening right now. And Jesus is actually able to walk in peace. He, continue, he, he He walks in healing. And the disciples run. They flee. They lie. And they deny. Wow. And so it's curious that Jesus, you know, has this, like, agonizing time of, like, just transparent truth before the Father. And somehow he's able to—well, not somehow— because, because he's actually united and abiding with yeah. God, the father, he's able to walk the plan out. And now we have a picture of the disciples who slept, yeah. you know, they were asleep during this time of like significant intimacy with God. And then when the time came, when it was time to actually like, you know, the rubber's going to meet the, 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 the road here, the plan's going to play out. They couldn't handle it. Yeah. And so it's a, when you take a step back and look at the garden, there's a lot of takeaways, and that was one of them for me this time. That's just like, wow, we really need to sit and spend time with God um, so that we can have peace, mm-hmm. so that when we're anxious and we're depressed, we we're able to experience the peace of God, but also so that when it comes to walking and obeying, that we can do that, that yep. we can do that with the with the help of the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah, and as the passage keeps going, then Jesus is betrayed in the garden. Yeah. Uh, Peter grabs a sword and hacks off some guy's ear. Again, we usually yeah. crack a joke at this that <laughs> Peter's got terrible aim. But um, Jesus, in the midst of the violence, makes clear again the ways of the kingdom. And he says, put the sword yeah. down. We're not violent. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're not going to fight. We're not going to do that. And Jesus heals his enemy in that moment. Right. And so just uh, a clear takeaway of Jesus and like his posture of his heart and his mm-hmm. ministry towards creation there. Mm-hmm. Then Jesus faces the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, again, is like the, it's a Jewish ruling council. So it's like the U.S. Supreme Court. For the people of God, the Jewish people back in the day. Yeah. Consisted of 70 to 71 people, including like the high priest, and they would weigh legal matters for the Jewish community. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that would intersect with Roman law, which is why the high priest uh, needed to have good relationship with the Roman leaders of that region and area. And then again, people were bought off. It was corrupt. This was done in the middle of the night. There was all kinds yes. of things that were super shady. But when they ask Jesus if he's God again, in this little part, he, he quotes mm. the Psalms. He quotes Daniel. If you know the scriptures, Jesus is clearly saying, which yes. all the, the Sanhedrin knew, these Pharisees and Sadducees and all the scribes and elders, they knew Jesus was claiming, I'm God. Yep. So the nails in the coffin is a done deal. They said, okay, we're going to kill this guy now. Mm -hmm. And then you move to the end of the passage and uh, Peter denies Jesus. Yep. And I'll I'll say my last little bit and let you land the plane here. But what's so wild about this is that just a little while earlier, Jesus let Peter know that Satan was asking God to sift Peter and Jesus let Peter know what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. He's like, hey, dude, just, you know, you're going to disown me three times and the roosters are going to crow. Yeah. Jesus could have said, Hey, this is what's gonna happen. Here's what you need to do. I need you to go somewhere else. I need you to be somewhere else. I don't want you to deny me. But but Jesus in one way helps Peter know this is gonna happen and then it allows it to happen. Yeah. Only to later reinstate Peter. So what what I'm getting at here, and this is just kind of a in the spirit I'm wrestling with this right now, is sometimes God allows us. I don't I'm not sure if this was the sifting of Peter or not. Sure. But God's God's hand was still on Peter and protected him yeah. and reinstated him later on. But there are times that God allows us to go through rough patches, even to the point where we would disown God so that God can reinstate us when we repent. And honestly, this happens every day in small ways. And then sometimes it happens in large ways. Mm -hmm. But just know that whatever you have done, whatever you have thought, whatever has been done to you, this isn't the end of the story. Peter messes it here big time. And he's reinstated in a little bit. So, that sifting process is also part of our transformation, the growth, the becoming. Yeah. And the key is that you keep turning back to the Lord. Yeah. In it. So that's all I got.
0: That's really good. I just want to, I wrote down discipleship. So I'm, I love that you were bringing that up because I think, you know, Jesus had only spent three years with Peter. Some yeah. people would say, and some other people would say, you've been with Jesus for three years. And so you think about just the overarching term discipleship or apprenticeship to Jesus and how it takes time. Yeah. And there's moments like this where right before this, actually, Peter's saying like, I know you're the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Jesus asks him, who do you think, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, I know you're the Messiah. So like, wow, what a moment for you to be able to, um, have revelation like that. And then you have moments like this where people are running or literally Jesus is, is getting interrogated, but he's also getting beaten. Yeah. And Peter is saying like, I got to save my own bacon here. And so that's such a clear picture for me from the scripture of discipleship and how in the midst of all of that, if we cling to, I think, Jeremiah 29 verse 13 speaks to how if we seek God and you seek him with all of your heart, Mm. there's there's an abiding that we hear from John with, you know, the grapes and the branches. There's this picture with Peter that we're reading right now um, that we're really, he's hanging on to us. Yeah. You know, that that we're, we're safe because we're in his hand. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like you said, it's not the end of Peter's story. It is the end of chapter 14, though. So thank you so yeah. much for joining us for Mark chapter 14. And keep with us. We're marching through this book. You're going to be blessed. Read the scriptures today. Share Amen. them. Pray them. Read it, write it, pray it, share it right in your journal. If you have yeah. your ERC journal, <laughs> yes. it's so good to be in the Holy Text with you today. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Adios.